Will you please pray with me? Now, Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. Amen. Please be seated. I encourage you to move in, maybe. I know there are some people looking for seats, so make sure if there's seats near you that you make room for people. So I recently heard the story of a defendant who was on trial for murder. And while there was strong evidence indicating his guilt, there had still not been a corpse uh, found. A corpse hadn't been found yet. And in the defense's closing statement, the lawyer, knowing his client probably would still be convicted, tried something fairly outrageous. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I have a surprise for you all, the lawyer said as he looked at his watch. Within one minute, the person presumed dead in this case will walk into the courtroom. Then he looked toward the courtroom door. The jurors were somewhat stunned, and they all looked at the door too. And a minute passed, and then nothing happened. Finally, the lawyer said, Actually, I made up the previous statement, but you all looked on with anticipation. Therefore, I put to you that you have a reasonable doubt in this case as to whether anyone was killed. And I insist that you return a verdict of not guilty. The jury was clearly confused, and then they retired to deliberate. Well, a few minutes later, the jury returned very quickly and pronounced a verdict of guilty. But how, inquired the lawyer, you must have had some doubt. I saw all of you stare at the door. The jury foreman replied, oh, yes, we all looked, but your client didn't. <laughs> it reminds me of a movie I watched a few years back. Uh, it was called The Body and starred Antonio Banderas. Now, it wasn't great. It gets about 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. But the premise was interesting. You see, Banderas plays a Catholic priest sent to Jerusalem to investigate the possibility that the bones of Jesus' body have been discovered, that he didn't actually rise from the dead. Of course, the consequences of this being true would be enormous, not just for the Catholic Church, but for the worldwide church itself. And in the movie, the idea impacts people in different ways, most of them negative, even before it's certain whether or not this has happened. Many of them end up losing their faith. And I'm going to save you wasting two hours of your life and just let you know that they discover that it's not really Jesus' bones. I wonder what things cause you to doubt your faith in God or the Christian faith in general. If we're honest, there are all times when we've probably questioned the truth of the Christian story. For some, it might have been with the untimely death of a loved one. We might ask, how could God let this happen to them? Or for others, it might be a personal hardship, or maybe financial, or familial, or illness-related. And we ask, how could God let this happen to me? For others, it is the seeming implausibility of the gospel stories. And we ask, how could that possibly happen to God? And with careful investigation, though, what we find is that the reasons that we might doubt God, like the movie's plotline, they actually don't stand up to scrutiny. You see, the faith we have in Jesus is much bigger than our personal struggles or doubts. It's much more than our personal experiences, and it's grounded not purely in things unseen, but in the eyewitness accounts of numerous people. Yes, there is plenty to help us to have certainty in what we believe even if we weren't there to see it for ourselves. And this week and throughout 2020, we're going to be looking at the testimony of one particular man called Luke, a testimony based on what he saw and what he heard, and also based on the eyewitness accounts of many others. 
And what we're going to see in this detailed account of Jesus' life is that the faith we have is well-founded and grounded in historical facts. And that perhaps also we don't know this Jesus as well as we thought that we did. So let's turn to our gospel reading from Luke chapter 1 and see what God would teach us. We're going to begin at the beginning and see what we can learn. Now, a few things that are worth knowing as we begin. This is a bit like the yellow text that scrolls up at the beginning of Star Wars movies, right? Tells you the, the sub, what's going on at that time. I just saw the newest one yesterday, so I'm in, in the mood right now. Uh, it gives us the context, doesn't it? The context for what's going on. And Luke's writing at a time likely around 63 AD. So that would put it around 30 years after Jesus' death. And it's a time when the Israelites are ruled by a foreign power, the Romans. The Jews are once again an oppressed people longing. They're just longing for someone to rescue them, someone to come save them. And it's been about 100 years since they actually got to rule themselves. So it's been a long time. And this rule by the Romans is coming to a head. In fact, it won't be long before there's a revolt by the Jewish people against the Romans. But Jerusalem ends up being overthrown by Rome and they destroyed the Holy Temple once and for all. It is no longer there. And in the midst of all this, the fledgling Christian church is beginning to take root across the Roman Empire. Places as far as Rome and Ethiopia and possibly Spain and India have already been reached with the gospel. And yet it still hangs in the balance. Will this church grow? Will it succeed or will it die? Persecution of followers of the way, that's the name they gave Christians, is rife. And the first apostles are quickly dying out. Who knows how long it'll be until there are no more first-hand accounts to be shared. And so it's important right now to try and to gather up and write down the stories that so far have just been told orally or written down on scraps of parchment up to this point. This is, they want to do this before they get lost, before they get forgotten or distorted. And so we arrive at the beginning of Luke's gospel. And what we see is, first of all, is that Luke's got a story to tell. And you know that feeling when you see something really incredible, right? And you, you just can't wait to get home and to tell someone about it, or maybe to post it on Facebook or share it on Instagram. Perhaps something good like you saw an incredible goal or an amazing touchdown, or maybe you just experienced the birth of a child or a grandchild, or maybe you saw this incredibly beautiful sunset or maybe it's something bad, like you saw this terrible wreck on the bridge, or maybe you had a, a bad experience going to the DMV. I mean, who doesn't? Or maybe it's the way that you were treated by a store clerk, perhaps. Well, I think Luke's feeling that way. But for him, this has been building for a lifetime, a lifetime. And so he writes in verses 1 through 3, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you. Well, as we discover in his sequel to the, this gospel, which is the book of Acts, Luke has spent his life helping the apostle Paul as he travels around the Roman Empire sharing the gospel. He's listened to him share stories about Jesus and what Jesus did, but he's also seen what Jesus does through his followers by the power of the Holy Spirit. Miracles such as healings and demons being cast out, he's seen great escapes, he's seen life transformations, and now he wants to put it down on paper and he wants to tell others. 
Although he's heard other accounts and he's possibly read other narratives, such as Mark's gospel, which is an earlier gospel, he wants people to understand what his experience has been of the good news that he's encountered, this news that has changed his life. And his focus will primarily be God's love for all of mankind. It's not just for the Jews, as Matthew's gospel emphasizes, and it's not just for those who met Jesus, but this gospel is for everybody. And like any blockbuster movie you might see this year, it's a compelling story. It has an unlikely beginning, it has an action-packed middle, and it has an incredible ending. Well, Luke not only has a story to tell, he wants the story to be well told. This story is important to Luke. In fact, he believes it's important for the whole world. And as such, he wants it to be told well. Verse 3, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. He wants this story to be engaging, but he also wants it to be accurate. And the two are not opposites. As I think of some of my favorite historians, they're storytellers like Luke, authors like Stephen Ambrose or David McCullough. They know that unless their stories are compelling and told in compelling ways, people aren't going to buy their books. They're not going to read them. But this doesn't mean that they compromise on accuracy. And Luke's the same. He is a storyteller, but accuracy matters. And it's partly because of who he is. You see, he's a doctor. The Apostle Paul tells us this in his letter to the Colossians. He calls him the beloved physician. And physicians tend to care about details, or at least good physicians do. I'm not sure that any of us would return to a doctor like the one in the recent Geico commercial who casually says to his nervous nervous patient, don't worry about it, we'll figure it out. (laughs) It's worth noting also that we get the English word for autopsy from the word used for eyewitnesses in verse 2. Yes, his gospel writing is going to be a clinical procedure, not a sloppy mess. Luke takes this seriously because he cares that people know the truth. And it seems that he particularly cares about one person knowing it, a person called Most Excellent Theophilus, who sounds more like a character from a Bill and Ted movie than a character from the Bible. Well, the word excellent actually refers to his possibly being a government official of some kind. Think of how we still call an ambassador your excellency. And what's interesting about the name Theophilus is that it means lover of God. Lover of God. Which makes me wonder if he's really writing to just one person. Or is this code for anyone who follows and loves Jesus? It's not really that important, but Luke's gospel is certainly for anyone who loves God or who wants to love God. He wants us all to see Jesus clearly for who he really is, because he knows that if we do, then we'll end up loving him too. Well, so Luke's not only got a story to tell, not only does he want to tell it well, he wants his story to build faith in others. In verse 4, Luke gives us the reason he's writing his gospel. He writes this, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. This isn't fake news that Theophilus has heard. No, these stories about Jesus are the real deal. And as a trusted member of Paul's inner circle, as someone who's likely met most of those first 12 disciples, as someone who's seen the power of the Spirit in action, Luke's in a good position to confirm all that Theophilus has been taught already. 
Yes, Luke can be trusted. And now it's really important to him that Theophilus trusts in the gospel concerning Jesus. In fact, it is a matter of eternal life and death. You see, if Jesus really did die on the cross, paying for people's sins, and then rising again from the dead and conquering death, then he wants Theophilus and anyone else who's listening to know that this truly happened. And so he's careful to put in a lot of detail. Luke's actually packed full of real names and real places. People who likely would have been alive when he wrote, and they could have refuted any lies or mistakes that he made. Ancient fact-checking, if you will. And places that I, along with millions of others, have visited. Places that are regularly turning up new archaeological finds that give credence to the stories that Luke is sharing. And if we want further proof, look no further than the fact that this gospel, over 2,000 years, has stood the test of time. In fact, it has shaped the very world that we live in, and it has helped define our values and way of living, and we still read it today. This gospel, we believe, is not some pie-in-the-sky fairy tale. It's not some ancient myth that we cling to. It is not some fiction that we have composed now, this is a story grounded in historical fact, and as such, we can be certain of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and the knowledge that he has defeated sin and death and rescues all those who repent and follow him. Friends, I hope that you'll hang in with us this year as we hang out with Luke. You see, spending time in Luke will give us a clear picture of who this Jesus we talk about all the time really is. Luke will tell us why he came. Luke will tell us what he did. And Luke will tell us what Jesus wants those who follow him to do. It's really a very practical book. This won't be some dry history lesson, but rather a year of learning how to sit at Jesus' feet and then how to go into the world and be his hands and feet also, bringing this orderly account to others as we disciple them. As one commentator puts it, Luke the historian will make you certain about the gospel. Luke, the theologian, will touch you with God's love and grace. Luke, the physician, will help you to love people. And Luke, the musician, will set your heart to singing. Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit. We thank you that you inspired this book to be written, uh, to be written Lord Jesus, that you inspired Luke to write it, and that these are your words, and these are your stories. And they're not myth, they are true, Lord God. We praise you for that. I pray that this gospel would uh, be sink deep down into our hearts this year, that it would become a part of who we are as we seek to live as your followers. Would Luke's story about your love for all people, would it inspire us and encourage us to love all people well, to bring them your gospel truth, that there is freedom from sin and freedom from death. And if there are people in this room who don't know that today, would they choose to repent and follow you right here, right now? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.